Mindset Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. Before we get started with this week's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners, and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, we've got something a little different. We've got three guests coming on. We've got Kyle Logan, Stu Holt, and Jalene Baker, who are co-hosts of Under Pressure TV. Under Pressure TV is a sports media brand that aims to inspire, inform, and entertain through sports culture. They produce original content from a weekly podcast show, a documentary series featuring a variety of athletes and people of other industries, an interview where they talk to people who are doing great things in their respective industries. So welcome, guys, on the show. So before we delve into today's episode, can you guys talk to me about obviously your rise to where you are today? Mm, man, wow, that's a good question. Um, individual story how we all came um, I guess, yeah, as we all came together, you know, it all started, it really, if you go all the way back, it started with basketball. Hey, you basketball, really? Um, I was a teammate with JB first, uh, really young age. Yeah, so how old? Like, probably like since kindergarten. Kindergarten. All right, so five years old. Uh, we're 22 now. That's 17 years ago. And then later down the road, I became AU teammates with Kyle. Sixth grade. In sixth grade. Um, that's like Troy. That's about 10 years ago. Um, and then ever since, you know, um, we've been friends and all of that. And I started a podcast, an earlier podcast before, um, and now we're doing a new one, the Under Pressure podcast. And I was like, man, I want to have co-hosts and, you know, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out who uh, I want on it, you know, who would be perfect on it. And I remember talking with Cal about it and we're, we're envisioning it. Um, we're talking about it like, oh, this will work, that will work and all of that. And so at first it was just me and Cal, right? And it's like, okay, it's two of us. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. That's good and everything. But then, you know, I was talking to JB as well and JB's really into sports as well and, He's really good with um, analytics and the facts. Uh, and I don't, I, without him, I don't think we would really have any facts on the show. It just be all opinionated, <laughs> opinionated and motivation because Kyle's a motivational speaker. Uh, and so, yeah, just bit by bit, it started coming together, and uh, we started. We tried to find a location. We got that, and then all of these different pieces that just go into it, equipment and all of that, and we finally got to where we are. Um, but, you know, I knew Cal was a motivational speaker. If you want to talk about that, Cal, and I knew that he would be great for the show just because of that. Yeah, um, like I, like Stu said, we had been teammates when we were younger. And then, um, you know, I went off and I played college basketball at a small college in Indiana. And I came back uh, came back home and I was a, a guest on his other podcast. You know, it was sure. something I was starting off, uh, you don't know my story, like a, a line of speaking series that I was doing. And uh, from that, you know, me and Stu stayed, uh, stayed in contact and I started working with him as far as other podcasts and stuff a little bit. So when he came to me with the idea of under pressure and, you know, a sports based podcast where I can do motivation and sports being a former college athlete, you know, I couldn't pass up on the opportunity. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I forgot. I almost forgot that. That's a crucial part, Cal. <laughs> but yeah, that, um, yeah. Uh, that other podcast, he, the theme of that, that we interviewed him was, you don't know my story and how, you never know what somebody's going through. You know, you, everybody likes to judge um, other people, but you just don't know what they go through, for, whether they're homeless or whatever. You know, you never know what somebody's story is. And when he, at the, the, I, I think that was the greatest episode we did with that podcast because it made you think 
uh, it made me think, and I got inspired, and I learned so much. And I was like, man, that's amazing. And I remember, I remember us, we were going somewhere, but I was like, man, you need to get your own podcast where you could do, when you remember that, where you could do motivation and all of that. And uh, it turns out we ended up doing one together. Uh, and so, yeah, and then JB is uh, a coach with me. We both coach the same basketball team at the Warner Hills High School. Shout out Warner Hills High School, the number one school in the state of Ohio. Shout them out. We both graduated in 13 from there. But JB, if you want to talk about and, you know, coaching yeah. all that and how we got together with that. For sure. Uh, like, originally with the other podcasts, I actually, like, just started off helping. Like, that was just my thing. I was like, I just help out because I see, you know, you'd be doing a lot. <clears throat> and uh, actually, like, before we shot the, the first episode for the Under Pressure podcast, I didn't even know I was going to be on it <laughs> until, like, two days before. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's I was, true. like, coming up with, like, the topics and stuff and ideas for them to talk about. Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, you're going to be on it, too. <laughs> And I was like, wait, what? And it just kind of threw me off. But it it just, you know, it became something that we enjoyed doing. It was fun. And then you add the dynamic of us actually being coaches together. We've been teammates together. We went to school together for so long. It just, it makes everything fun. And it's, it's a pretty good journey to go on, especially with these two. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, the crazy thing about it is when we were doing that other podcast, uh, you know, a lot of people say they wanted to help out and be a part of it. But when it's time to actually help, they're not there. You know, when it's time to do the dirty work that nobody sees, they're not there. But that's one thing about JB was he really wanted to help and he was willing to do the little stuff. And I was like, man, that's amazing. That shows like he really wants to be a part of it and not just act like he wants to be a part of it. You know, so when we started doing this show, I'm like, man, JB knows sports. We coach together. Um, I, I knew he would be great for it. And so, yeah, two days before. Right. It, I told him two days before. But it was like, me and Cal had already been talking about him being on it like a week or two ahead of that time. You know, um, I just never told him. I wanted to see if he was going to keep working. But no, nah, I was testing him. He didn't know. I was testing him. But, yeah, he kept with it. And now it's the three of us, man. And we just have a perfect chemistry uh, with him, with Cal being a motivational speaker. You know what Eric Thomas is? I know everybody has to know yeah. It's the future, Eric Thomas of our generation, <laughs> day, right? Here, it's coming. And so with him being a great motivational speaker, JB being the guy who's really into the analytics of sports and me just having an opinion on every day <laughs> that nobody really agrees with, you know, I think we have a perfect combination. So I'm excited about what we're doing. I'm excited. And obviously we were discussing off air, obviously Kyle and JB, you know, we were just discussed this, discussing it and, and not recording it as you thought, Steve. but that's my apologies. So obviously off air, we were discussing the state of what AAU basketball has, you could say, become. Mm-hmm. How do you think it is maybe changed for the good or for the worst? I, you go ahead. Go okay. ahead. I, I, I can go first. Um, Let me go first. I go first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, well, see, there's the thing about AAU is there's there's positives and negatives. Um, I know that when we were playing AAU, you said um, Oh, did you say the positives? Yeah. You said or. Oh, you said, oh, said and the negatives. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I just think that you know when we were younger, you know we weren't thinking about 
oh, um, the business side, or am I going to be this or that? They The sponsors now are like Nike, Under Armour. Our sponsor is Devereaux. Yeah, that's a local, uh, local a shoe store. store right? you know? <laughs> and so it's like, man, that's what we were used to. But now it's been hyped up. And like I was saying before, anytime money gets involved in something, it changes. No matter what it is, it's going to change um, because it's going to be uh, alter. There's going to be egos. There's going to be uh, secret and hidden motives and agendas, uh, whether it's from coaches, whether it's from parents. Um, it, it's going to be because uh, people get greedy, right? Greed is huge. That's like, you know, that's the, the hugest, um, one of the biggest things that can ruin anything is greed. And that usually comes from money, right? And so that it, AAU in itself has become a business. Um, it's always been a business because anything that makes money is a business, you know. But now it's been, it's gotten to the point with the combination of social media, um, it's just escalated it. You know, you've got a high school athletes with millions of followers, millions of <laughs> followers. And, you know, it's like, wow, you know, people are ranked and all that, which has always been the case. But with all of those things combined, it's, it's created something that's um, definitely ego based, but there's positives, right? You still get the exposure. You get to play in front of college coaches. You still get to play against the top competition. You get to travel, see the world, and experience different things with your teammates. And, you know, that's still positive. You know, and that's still always – that's always going to be a good part of AAU basketball is seeing where you are against the top competition of somebody in California or Florida. Even if you live in Cincinnati, Ohio, where we're at, you can play against somebody, the Houston Defenders, the Texas Titans, the the D.C. Assault, all of these different teams – that's around the world that otherwise you probably wouldn't play against, you know, and, you know, me being a coach, uh, JB, we talk about this all the time that we can tell a lot of times if a kid plays AAU or not, because, you know, we can tell based on how they play. There's just a different style of whether they, they know how to just flow with their game or if, or if they're too robotic and they're too systematic, like, Oh, they probably didn't play AAU and all of that. So it's definitely an advantage for the player, but it can kind of maybe get a little corrupt once you get higher and higher and money starts getting more and more. But what do you think, JP? Uh, for sure. I think, um, like, the the way that it's set up now with, like, the different circuits, like the Nike and Under Armour and Adidas, I think it's good It's good for the, t- the players, but it's also bad in the sense of, you know, the exploitation of the athletes. But it gives them a platform to perform in front of, like, you know, the really big coaches because, you know, Calipari is not going to just watch a random tournament on a weekend. But Peach Jam, oh, he's going to be sitting front row with his scouts. They're going to be watching. So it, it's good for that sense, like the exposure that the kids can get. But just how much money that some of these coaches are making off of the kids for their commitments to certain schools and, you know, the different things, it, it's kind of corrupt. It's, well, it's really corrupt. And you hate to see stuff like that happen. But – you, you don't see as many coaches really care for the players. I think that's one of the biggest things, like, especially like coming up. I had a lot of coaches who really truly cared about not just me as a player, but as a person. So they tried to help me grow into being a better young man and not just a better basketball player and a better athlete. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it kind of gets watered down some AAU because coaches are really just out for wins and recruits. So you, it kind of takes away from what the athletes are really bringing to the table and really developing them. And then for those that make it through, you kind of see them have those maturity issues because they were in a system where they didn't get the chance to grow up. So, Dang, That's very true, JB. Kyle, what do you think, man? 
I definitely think a the AAU circuit has changed a lot for the good and the bad. The good part is, like I said earlier, when we were discussing off air, everything now in 2017 is you know social media based or anything like that. And these kids right now, these top you know AAU players in the world, they have a chance to play at the highest platform of that age level. You know, in the world right now. I mean, you have your Nike EYBL, you have your Adidas Gauntlet, your Under Armour Gauntlet, all that. You know, the best players in high school in the world are in that circuit. And weekend in and weekend out, you get to compete against and really show your talent against the other, you know, top players, not even in the country, but the world. Because AAU is, you know, even international. Other team, you know, CIA bounce, even Nike UIBL in Canada. So you're competing against even internationally. But with that, with that fame, with that rise of everything, you know, there comes, you know, it starts to be less about the kids and more, you know, a lot of coaches now, like, like JB was saying, they care less about the kids and they see them as opportunities. So then you have coaches in here with ulterior motors where before it would have been like, okay, like I want to make this young man the best he can be, see him, you know, go to, you know, the best school, best possible fit for him to now, okay, what can this do for me? You know, what, what can I get benefit from this? Or, ooh, if I coach this player, you know, I'll have in contact with this coach, this coach. So I think it's starting to become less about the kids and more about opportunity. And, you know, that can always get messy when you, you know, take your focus off of what it originally was when I was a kid. Mm. Cal, that is so – that's dead on, Cal. I mean, <laughs> that, that was so dead on, man, because it's like you're you're really – and as coaches, you're right, JB, and even Cal's a coach too. You know, he's been around the, the kids on my team, and they really love him. And it's like, man, it's it has become – for a lot of coaches, we can't – I don't yeah. want to say for everybody because, once again, that's something that I feel like we take pride in is um, investing in our kids and taking interest in them off the court, you know, because at the end of the day, they're, they're human beings first. They're not athletes. Then they're human beings. They're kids at that, you know, they're kids and they're still trying to grow and learn about life and all of that. And, you know, there's times where we will uh, be like, we're not going to practice today. Right. And we just go to a classroom and we talk about anything that's related to life. anything that's related to them at their age as kids, right? Like, Oh, whether it's whatever it is, you know, um, and sometimes we'll just go and just talk and just have fun. Cause at the, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. You know, I, one thing I always believed and always try to tell people is at the end of the day, something that I've experienced when it's all said and done, cause for every single person, the ball's going to stop bouncing, you're going to have to hang the shoes up and it's going to be over at some point. And the two things that I feel like are always left over are the life lessons that you learn and the relationships mm-hmm. that you, that, that grow and you get from the sport. Um, once again, because look, because if we, if we, I mean, because of basketball, we're here right now because we all play in the same team, right? And you know, it's my best friends. I feel like if, I, if I'm thinking right, we, I, I met all of them because of basketball, and so those relationships mean a lot, man. And if you, if you, if you look at AAU, um, a lot of times it's like you said, it's, it's less about the kids, less about the memories, less about the kids growing as human beings, and more of like Kyle said. How can this benefit everybody? How can this right. benefit me? If this coach is recruiting him, maybe he'll recruit me to be an assistant coach mm-hmm. at that school, you know, or maybe uh, I'll get a little, a little money under, under the table money or I'll get more exposure and it'll help build my resume and all of that. And, you know, when the motives are bad, when that foundation is bad, eventually the whole thing is going to crumble. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, but once again, you know, we ended on a negative. I don't want to end it on a negative. <laughs> then people be like, oh, man, the AU is bad because it's not. I encourage every single one of my players on my school team at Warner Hills to play AU. 
right? But um, it's just – it's all about getting on the right team. It's all about being under the right coaches. Um, that's why we're, we're, you know, we're trying to start an AU team. We're not trying. We're going – we are. Um, and um, because it's we, – it, when you see something like that, like, oh, there's some negatives, all you can really do is try to be the difference, right, and try to change it. And so that's what we're going to try to do is try to take it back to the old days of AU where it's more about the kids and helping them grow as kids. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty much all right. But, Kyle, let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Do you not think it goes a bit further than, say, outside of sports and say it's a societal kind of problem where people want to get their own? Oh, for sure, man. I definitely would think it's a it's a societal issue as well. But, you know, me personally, I think, you know, you're going to run into that issue in society, you know, regardless, because that's just how people think nowadays. But you want to hold off on that as far as you can. The mind of a kid is very valuable and they're very vulnerable, especially that age for a high profile athlete. When you have a lot of people in your ear trying to persuade you for something, you know, it can be rough. And a lot of these kids, a lot of these athletes, especially like you know, the top ones who have all these, they come from broken homes or they come from single parent housing. So when you have all these outside sources or, you know, somebody with a motive, who you're not really sure, it becomes hard to, to trust people. And that's going to lead, you know, to issues down, you know, trust issues, all these other issues in the long way that they'll run into in society. But I think, you know, if you can stop it, don't, don't start it so young. Because I think society's already going to hit them with that. So as a young athlete, that's a lot on your plate. That's good. And you know what, you know what, too? Um, I think it comes down to the one word capitalism, right? Um, anytime you have anything, people try to capitalize on it, man. And, and, and now it's like they, people don't see these kids as kids. They see them as what? Dollar signs. Like, ooh, okay, this kid is the future phenom. Let me, <laughs> you know, this is going to be lead up to some money. And, you know, I think that's just, the American way almost uh, is capitalism where everybody's trying to find something that's going to put them at the top. That's going to put them at an advantage against this person, against that team, against this coach, against this parent, parents competing with each other, coaches competing with each other. And now you definitely going to have kids competing with each other. And so really it should be just the kids competing against each other. But now it's parent versus parent. My kid is better than yours. My kid's going to this college. Oh, my kid's going to that college. Oh, coaches. Oh, I got this kid on my team. I got this kid on my team. And so it's everybody competing against each other. Um, and that's just that capitalistic uh, mindset. Um, JB, were you about to? No, I was going to say like uh, off of what Cal was saying is uh, like OJ Mayo was like a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and like for us in Cincinnati watching OJ, he was like, he was the next LeBron. Like, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and you see, like, we watching him, and we're watching his rise, and we're like, he's going to be the one. Mm -hmm. But behind the scenes, he was going through a lot in his home issues, which that carried all the way through his time into the NBA to where now he's not even in the league. He's got banned for his the substance abuse, I think it was. But it all goes back to his background and his upcoming because he had so many people that were they were clinging to him because he was such a great basketball player and he was a great athlete he didn't know who to trust mm-hmm. and at the end that turned into a detriment because he could he didn't know how to say no to those people because he felt like he owed them something wow well you could you could say like like you say jb i think would you guys probably start in a team you've got the kind of right mindset that you want to uh, give back to the kids. So like you were saying, 
he 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 was probably missing that role model that you guys had in the, in the early days. Yeah, and it's you know the early is the early ages is what matters so much. You know, you you hear people say if you want a kid to uh, learn a language or be fluent in a language, teach them early, early, real early. You know, because their minds are still forming and they're going to be able to grasp it and, and learn it quicker. And that's the same with their environment and all of that. You know, if you like you said, if you have people that are that you don't have that role model, you don't have that person telling what's right or wrong early. You know, you can go down the wrong path, and it's hard to break the habits that you already have. You know, and then it's early. The earlier, the better, man, to start with mentors and all of that stuff. So shout out to the Friars Club, man. Yeah. You know, that's where we started playing yeah, at the age foundation. of five and yeah. six. And they definitely gave us that foundation with great mentors and surrounding us with the right people. Uh, and so we were definitely lucky that our parents put us into that. You right. know, it's not like um, it's not like we earned it or they chose us like, oh, you guys are picked to be in this program called right. the Friars Club. It's like our parents put us in it. Yeah. You know, and that's crucial as well. I mean, we've talked about it in episodes of how crucial parenting is, right? When it comes to a child's development, like the different schools we go into. I, I, I went to Fairview, shout out to Fairview Elementary. My mom had to stand in line in tents for that because the demand to get in there was so heavy. She, she stood outside like this was the concert to see, you know, Michael Jackson or something, you know, his last concert or something like that, you know. And it's like, man, she did that. If she doesn't do that, I don't go to Fairview. If I don't go to Fairview, who knows? I'm not the same person, right? Because the environment you get placed into shapes you who you are, right? And then because I went to Fairview, I was able to go to Walnut, right? What if I didn't go to Walnut, right? Me and JB probably, I mean, we would be close, but we probably wouldn't have been, we, probably, we might have not linked up or something, you know what I mean? Like, because we seen each other every day because we both went to Walnut, right? And so it's like, man. All of these different factors play a huge role in a child's development that, you know, parents do control, but also kind of don't control as well. TV and all of that different stuff, you know, it's like well, a lot of things are caught, not just taught. You know, a lot of things are caught, things that kids see, you know, just by looking. And it's like, man, you got to have the right people around you for sure, because, you know, you never know. Kids are always watching. That's something I learned with coaching and all of that. I know kids are always watching so i try to handle myself how i would want them to handle themselves so excuse me uh, but in terms of like if we come back onto the aau and obviously talking about each player wanting to get their own do you see it transferring back into normal high school basketball and they can't uh say operate within a system you say it's not a bad thing but say if we look at well, Chino Hills, for example, mm-hmm. you could say they don't play defense. Well, obviously, if you look at how sport is meant to be played and they talk about defense wins championship, obviously, if you're not playing defense or anything that looks well, consequential to be that, isn't that kind of going away from what the fundamental it is? Well, obviously, in basketball, the team that scores the most points will win. But you want to obviously keep the other team down as well. Oh yeah, see that's good. That's, right. We're gonna that's talk about a great that. point. No, because Stu's whole concept, his motto is the team who scores the most points wins. 
Oh, hold on, always hold said, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Before like, we go into that, I mean, it's fine to play defense, but all no, that matters no, is you score no, more no, points no, no. than Hold on, team. let me turn this computer. <laughs> let me explain something real quick. First of all, the first sentence you said is a fact, right? At the end of the day, when it comes to the competitive part of it, the team with the most points do win. I'm talking from a strategic point. I'm not talking about morals and values and learning. I'm talking about from a strategic point. If you're to win the game, the team with the most points wins. And what I was saying is the other things can either help increase your points or decrease the other team's points, right? So defense is crucial. It's very important because even if you do score points but you don't play defense, you lose. Right. And on the other point, if you play great defense, they can still hit up a freak shot. And if you don't score, you lose. Right. So there's a lot of factors that lead up to the fact that to win the game, you have to have more points. I've seen teams out rebound a team and still lose. I've seen a team uh, get more steals, still lose. Right. So at the end of the day, you have to be able to capitalize on those other small things in order to increase your points. From a strategic point <laughs> to win the game, JV. Gosh dang it. Man, let me turn to Cal. Cal, what you got to say, man? <laughs> Help me out. JV was speaking first. Oh, man. 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 All right, but I, but I do see, like, the way that Chino Hills plays, it, it's different from, you know, normal basketball ideals. Because you definitely, especially like with LaMelo, being, you know, one of the best players in his class, and to really see him, you know, score 92 points by leaking out half the game, it's kind of like, I mean, it's impressive to score 92 points, but you didn't play defense half those the times down there either. Mm. But, I mean, for them it works. It's their system. It's, it's how they play. But it's not benefiting them as players because you're, yeah, you're missing a crucial part of the game, and that's playing basketball. So, mm. you know, definitely coaches will look at that and say, well, I'm not going to recruit that kid because he doesn't play a lick of defense. And unless you're James Harden, you're not getting away with that. Right. So – and so and that's, that's coaching too, though, JB, you know, because as a coach, if your kid is not getting back on defense or he's not giving his full effort, it's like you're taking out. You're out. Yeah. I don't care if you're the number one ranked player in the world, you're right? Sit right here. You're going to come sit right here because if you're not going to play defense in five years, you're not going to even be in the top 100 in the world, you know? And so you got you to gotta look for the long run. As coaches, you know, you can't be afraid of, oh, I don't want to lose this kid from my team if I correct him. And tell. Like, no, you, you've, if you're going to really help this kid. And kids, at the end of the day, kids want to be pushed. Players want to be pushed because they want to be the best they can be. You know, but if you let them get away with stuff, they'll, they'll try you. Oh, they'll try you, right? We know that. They'll try you. But at the end of the day, at their deepest root, they want to get better. They want to be the best they can be. And they want to be pushed, you know. And you just have to be willing and have that confidence as a coach to push those boundaries and try to push them to be the best they can be. And sometimes, you you know, because that's unacceptable. You know, I've seen – what is it, Chino Hills? Yeah. And, you know, I've seen um, – what is his name? Uh, Mellow Ball, shoot a shot and not get back. Oh, then leak out, cherry picking. And I'm like, that's coaching. You know, I, I didn't even blame him for that. I'm like, why is this acceptable to the coaches? You know, why are the coaches not yelling at him, taking him out the game no matter who he is? You know, now it's, you know, with the AU, his dad is coaching him. But his dad coached him all the way through, too. So that could be his dad thing. Hmm. But are you asking if these bad habits that they may form in AAU, like how they translate over to the high school game? You you could – but then, obviously, that's, that's, that's kind of cherry-picking. You're looking at one team as to what 
is is that why they play? And it, it, well, you could say, well, it would it be a detriment to the game because obviously players, well, we'll generalize here. Most don't want to play defense anyway. Yeah, right. that's true. And you know what? The AAU, <laughs> the AAU game is so much different than the high school and college game. It's not fun. Mm. From from playing both sides, from playing AAU and playing college basketball, nobody plays in college like you play in AAU. Nobody's leaking out cherry picking like that. It's not just up and down. No, no, no. In the college basketball game, you got to play defense. Yeah, that is harped on from the moment I stepped on campus as a basketball player. Like you knew I, if you want to play, you got to play defense. The AAU scene is a little bit different because it's, it's more exposure oriented. You know, you get the top guys from this state, the top guys from this state, you try to put a team together, you out here to get offers, exposure, and then, you know, deals in the long run. Yeah. But the way that you play the AAU game is not, that's not, that's not basketball to be honest with you. That's not, how it's going to be played at the next level. So if you don't translate that, if you just think that's okay, I think LaMelo at Chino Hills, he's lucky because he comes from a system where, I mean, him and his brothers, they dominated that system. They have free reign to do whatever they want to do. But I guarantee you in a few years when he's playing for Steve Offer, because Steve Offer used to coach at my alma mater where I played at college, he's going to have to play defense. If not, I don't. He, Steve Offer won't care how many followers he has, you know, how many YouTube viewers or whatever, and they looked at this video, you won't play. So if they don't turn that switch on, okay, the AU to, to real-life basketball, they'll struggle. Because I'm telling you for a fact, that's that's not basketball. And see, and that's another thing with AU. Um, AU, I think it has its own purpose, right, when it comes to, you know, the development of a, of a player's game. You know, I, like we said before, we could tell if a kid play AU because some kids are too structured, right, where they, they're too robotic. They don't know what to do if you just sit back and say, let's just play, right? And so they, they don't know how to make decisions on their own. And, you know, basketball is a split-second decision game. You know, you might be dribbling down and a pass is open, but if you think too much about it, that pass is now gone. And if you try to pass a turnover, right? And so you've got to be able to make those decisions, and that's something that AAU does help with, right? Just playing up and down against the top competition, you have to learn how to just just play, right, and use your skills, and maybe you've been working out with a trainer, and now you're trying to go and see how those moves work in real game situations against the top competition, right, not just an open gym, right, that's, that, it's helpful, it really is, and you get to showcase your skills, right, but there's going to be, there's always more to it, but once again, AAU has its own purpose, and it's, it's not the whole coverage of the game, it doesn't really get you the full development, but offensively, it helps you develop. Defensively, maybe not so much, but then it could backfire. Like, well, if nobody's playing defense, or is your offense really developing or are you just playing against no defense, right? So it's, it's, it's just a balance. It's really just a balance, baby. What are you, what are you about to say? Nah, uh, I was just, just at the college level. It, it, AU, the, the Division One college level, like the bigger schools that get the bigger recruits, it's kind of turning into sort of AU games, like watching it. But when you watch small schools like Villanova, or, you know, schools like that, the teams, like even North Carolina last year, they're, they play really tough. They play tough defense. They play, you know, they really score, they grit and grind and score the basketball. And those are the, the teams, like real team-oriented type of programs. And you don't see that a lot from AAU teams. And you see, like, recruits that fit that style of basketball that go to those schools. And it's not typically the one-and-dones. It's the guys that stay two or three years. And I think – those are the guys, they set themselves up for a better success at the next level. 
at times. You know, you have the special talents like the the Kevin Durant's for one and dones and stuff like that. But a lot of the guys right now that are, you know, close to top of the league went multiple years of college. Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, they went several years of college and they have that under their belt. They have that experience and they know what it takes to win. And it comes from both sides of the basketball. Very cool. But would, would you not argue, obviously, with the one and done? And it kind of happens back to the earlier point we raised. Do you think they are obviously less mature to be able to handle situations, obviously, at the next level? As far as with basketball or just everything that comes with being a professional? I'd say everything to come come with being a professional. Okay. Well, see, from a basketball standpoint, like skill-wise, I think, you know, the greatest thing to prepare somebody for the NBA is what? The NBA. So, you know, the one and done thing for that, I think, well, okay. then that, But as an individual, um, that's another thing. That's another thing for sure. I think, uh, personally, I think the one and done rule should be gone. Hmm. Like, I think if they want to go out of high school, let them go because it'll it'll make the college game better and it'll also – because it'll, like, take out the kids who didn't want to go to college, and it'll open up spots for those who really deserve those th- those spots and that want to go to college for free and play at a high level. But I think for those that go into the NBA, the maturity level for them, like, at a really young age is different because you're telling an 18-year-old kid, well, here, here's $5 million or here's $10 million. Go have fun. You know, it's going to be kind of hard to say, you well, I mean, I just got paid. Do I want to go to the gym today or do I want to go work out today? Now I go tomorrow, but I'm about to go turn up with my friends or I'm about to go party and do this, do that. And it kind of takes away because that decision making, they don't have it yet. And, you know, they can, the veteran players in the locker room can say, you know, do this, do that. But they're not going to listen because they're 18 years old and they're a millionaire now. Like Just last week, they couldn't even buy a pack of gum. <laughs> so you expect him to be like, oh, well, I'm going to go be a professional's professional, but he doesn't even know what that means. Right. But I don't think that you can – I don't think that just because of a player's age or whatever, if they, I think if a player has the – going back to one and done, if a player has the talent to go to the next level, let him go. I mean, you don't know that kid's situation. You don't know his story. So this could be, you know, his family could ride on this. So I think if you have the skill set, go ahead and go. And as far as learning how to be a professional – I think, like with anything else, that comes with time. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to have to learn from. Because at the end of the day, you may be a professional athlete, but you're 18, 19 year old, you know, young man. So you still have a lot of growing up, there's a lot of maturing to do. But the only thing I can I can say that you can do is, you know, find a veteran in the locker room, you know, who, who's done a good job, you know, who is a, a good professional, and kind of learn from them. And you will have to mess up and learn from yourself. You know, that's just part of life. You know, growing pains and stuff like that. But if a kid has the talent to, to go ahead and make to that next level, why make him wait for what? You know, let him go. And you know what, Kurt, that's a, I agree with both of you guys, man. You know, because, you know, think about that 18-year-old, right? Just, what, a few months ago, this kid is in high school, and he had to raise his hand to go to the bathroom. You know, and you're, seriously, you know, and now, you, now you're going to give him $5 million and say, here you go, right? And now expect him to make the right decisions. When, you know, society-wise, we, we've taught our kids to not make their own decisions. And now you give them five million dollars and say, "Here, make your make the right decision with this," you know. And so it's like, man, it's it's, it's tough. And and Cal, I think you have the best solution to it. You got to make sure 
these kids have mentors mm-hmm. and have the right people around them to tell them like, look, you don't got you don't need this. You don't need to spend your money on this. Invest your money so that you can now make money on your money while you're not even touching it. Right. And a lot of a lot of kids don't think about this at an early age. They're just like, Woo, I got this money. <laughs> I, I I didn't even have a didn't right. have money for the gum. Right. Yeah, you know, I couldn't buy you no know, chips just a minute ago and now I got five million dollars. Now I can I can buy the whole chip thing. You know, I could buy grippos. You know, I can buy whatever. Like, buy a factory right and so now it's like man they you they have to and that's why in college while they are in college i really believe that every school needs to have i'm I'm sure they have something but they need to have somebody come in and teach the guys every year about money management right because if if you if a lot of these guys their goal is to play yeah you know yeah they need to because a lot of these guys their goal is to play in the nba or they go overseas and they want to be professionals at their sport but they did that now though with the nba they do have that now for draft picks. Mm, uh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. They have the players union come in and they teach. They got like financial classes that. They yeah, for the for the like rookies. That. I'm yeah. saying for college. Yeah, but least. in college you don't have it. No. And like I mean, I think all college students need it because you know college is the teacher of balancing. Because, you know, you can have $20 in your bank account and be like, well, I got to make this stretch for about three weeks. Yeah. And so, you'll do it, too. And then you got, you know, you got like $6 for gas and then you got $14 to eat for the rest of the, the next two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It teaches you that. But, you know, it's that's an experience thing. You don't have somebody telling you how to balance a checkbook or, you know, how to do these different things. And you just kind of have to learn on your own. And, you know, and that's another, this is a topic for another day. I don't want to expand in there, but I just think, you know, that's, that's crazy. That's, you know, another topic in itself that, you know, these, these kids in college do. There's athletes who do only have $20. We see them on TV like, oh, he's a star. But that star only got $20 for the next two weeks. He can't get paid off for signing autographs. Exactly. You can't even get paid for signing autographs, right? And, you know, and that's just speaks to another thing of like, man, if you're 18, you have the talent, go. Because if you're gonna, if if not, you're gonna go to college and play, which is that's perfectly fine. Get your education; that's awesome. But at the end of the day, just know that the kid that's struggling at home right now, who's gonna go play for that college, his his family still might not have money to have the lights on, while their coach is living in a mansion, which is which is you know just another topic. But that's just crazy, you know. And so yeah, go. But then when these kids go, they have to have that that mentor they have to have that what structure that structure of knowing what to do when you have that money so but when but then you say obviously skip the stage of college wouldn't it be also a negative not having that backup if something did happen to go wrong be it they got cut uh obviously an unforeseen uh, crippling injury they've got nothing to fall back on then you know what? And that's very true. That's very true. You know, and, you know, I had a teammate um, that I played with who played Division One. Actually, he got a full ride to Division One. He ended up getting hurt, right? And so now he's not even there anymore. And so with that, you know, you can get hurt in college and then you're done, right? And they're like, well, we got to give this scholarship to somebody else. You know, we only got so many. And now you're, you're out with that. You're out of luck with that. And, you know, and I was just listening to a podcast with or some, it was an interview with Jim Carrey, and he was talking about how his dad could have been a great comedian, but he didn't because he, 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 he wasn't sure if he was going to be good or not. His dad didn't do it. And so his dad went and he got a job and all of that instead of being a comedian. He went and got a, a regular nine to five and then ended up getting fired, right? Ended up getting fired. And Jim Carrey said this one line that was just so powerful because after he got fired, now they were living on the edge. They had to do whatever it took to get by. 
right? And Jim Carrey said he realized from that moment that you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well do and go for it and risk it all for what you love. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. You know, yeah, it's amazing because, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's really risky to go one and done or to skip college in general, but it's even riskier to, to do what other people want you to do and then fail at that. That's one of the worst things to do is because you look back like, man, I should have just went with my gut. But because I went with what other people thought I should do and I wonder if they're going to approve of my decision. And then you go with that. And if you fail at that, you'll never be able to forgive yourself for that. And so I, I just believe that you should just go with what your gut tells you. Yeah, because if your two options are, you know, go to college and I mean, go to college and try to go to the, go to the league from there or go straight to the league. Well, if you get hurt in college, when you go home, you're going to be broke. <laughs> if you go to the league and you get hurt, you got a guaranteed contract for the first couple of years. So you're going home with some money. Yeah. So you at least got something to fall back on in that you know, that gap period between when you figure out what it is that you want to do after basketball, if that does become the case. And that's another thing, too, is, you know, I've seen you. You will never see a 50 year old NBA player, but I've seen 50 year olds in college. Right. And so you can always go back. Right. And you can always go back no matter how old you are. You can always go back and get that degree and get that education. But there's a time frame when it comes to sports. Right. There's an age limit. You know, you, you're not going to see Michael George not coming back, no matter what. He was he was a goat, but he's not coming back. His body's not capable of doing it. And so it's like, man, it, it's a, there's a time limit when it comes to sports, right? 40 years old. I mean, the average career of an NFL player is what? What was it? I think it was like three years, three to five years, something really short because of how much contact it is, right? And you have a lot of players like Megatron, retired early. Um, what just, oh, what was Barry Sanders? Barry Sanders retired. Or who was uh, the offensive lineman for Baltimore who just retired yeah. this year? So you have players retiring at 30 years old in the NFL, right? Because they've taken those hits and all that. And they're like, man, my body, I've already got the money. I'm going to just save and all of that stuff. And so, I mean, once again, it's always going to be risky. But if that's something you love, this is something you've been working for since you've been a kid, training for. And I, I say go for it, you know, if that's the decision you want to make. Because um, you can always go back. You can always go back, right? What do you think, Cal? I have a I have a friend who's a student athlete at Indiana University, and I think more schools should have a program implemented like Indiana does. They have a program called Hoosiers for Life, so you can leave, test the waters in your you know in your prospective sport as a pro athlete, but you can also still come back and take classes as a student, and they mm-hmm. pay for it. There's a guy who was a former teammate of my friends at IU who during the during the football season plays in the NFL, and the off season returns to IU to get his degree. And I think that's an excellent program for, you know, IU to have. So things like you said, you know, don't happen like, okay, what if this doesn't, what do you do? So I think more colleges need to look out for the app for their athletes and implement a program like that, because then you get the best of both worlds. You're telling them not only, you know, do we care about you as an athlete, you know, thank you for your services here, but we care about you as an individual. And we want you, you know, to further your life and better yourself the best way possible. So I think if more, you know, college implemented programs like that, that'd be amazing. But for the schools who don't and for the athletes who have to make that decision, I, I always say there's a risk in anything that you do. You know, follow your heart, follow your gut, because at the end of the day, there's a risk with anything you do. So not, why not risk with something that you love? And there is a time frame. You know, college isn't going anywhere. You can always go back and get that degree. But you're only going to be young and in top physical shape for so long. So you got to take that risk, man. I definitely wouldn't let fear – 
you know, stop me from making a major decision like that. I, th- I think it comes back to probably, well, like, like, like you say, Kyle, it's, it's throwing all your chips in. And I think it's probably a good example of that is it comes back to if you do throw everything at something, right? when you come to being an old man, old woman, and, and you're on your deathbed, you've got nothing to, you've got no regrets in life that you've, you did, if you didn't happen to not, if, well, if the worst case scenario, you didn't make it, you, you know, you at least tried it. Right. Right. You know, and a lot of people say, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right. but you know, I've heard it. I heard another saying that it really made me think, I was like, cause they said, a lot of people say don't put all your eggs in one basket, but I say put all your eggs in one basket. Just make sure you don't drop that basket. <laughs> just make sure you don't drop. Just take care of it. You know, and that's just another thing way to think about it. You know, because at the end of the day, if you put some eggs in this basket and some in this basket, and then this basket drops, but this one doesn't, you still don't have as much energy and time put into that one basket as if you would if you would have took that risk. And you know, you gotta take risks, man. That's what it really comes down to. You know, especially if it's something you love, go all in for it. You know, because at the end of the day, usually the plan B is always going to be there. Just like with college, it's not going anywhere. Usually that plan B will always be there. You know, so go ahead and strive for that plan A. And if that doesn't work out, that plan B is usually just always there waiting for you anyway. So, And, uh, and this one we didn't touch upon. Like, obviously, we touched it a little bit earlier. There was. Obviously, we were talking about Chino Hills and saying they don't play defense. But what is your take on, obviously, they won a state championship what would it be? Well, two seasons ago now with the same system, obviously a different coach, but played that system just gone. And I think they lost in the semifinals. Yeah. Well, um, I think the difference between those two years, honestly, it was just Lonzo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you had a, a superstar in the yeah. making. And especially at the high school level is, you know, it's not many six, six point guards in high school that can do everything that he did. So, I mean, just his presence alone is probably what willed them to that victory. Because, I mean, outside of that, you see it's pretty much the same team this past year without him, and they didn't go as far. And I think just his ability to lead was probably the difference maker for them. Um, And, and, you know, just another thing, you know, as a coach is you can always win games, but sometimes you have to ask yourself at what cost. Um, I'm sure their system helps them win games, right? You know, with them not really playing defense, but then going hard on offense. And because, like I said before, I mean, yeah, the team with the most most points at the end, of the day, they do win. And I, you know, I think Chino Hills is probably a good example of that. But at what cost? Okay, you won. Good job, you won. But now your kids are going to suffer in the long run. Or now, you know, your kids have this mindset of being one set mind instead of, you know, and it's a lot of life lessons in that. Um, and so it, I just think that every coach needs to ask himself at what cost with anything. Um, and so, you know, that's my opinion on that, Kyle. My opinion. On, well, like JB said, when you have a six six, you know, NBA, yeah. soon to be franchise player, you know, especially at the high school level, that's going, that's going, you know, losing him is going, you know, lose you a couple games. Yeah. So like that style of play, I mean, I don't think that necessarily – change too much I just think that they're missing the presence of Lonzo I mean we're talking about a maybe maybe future hall of famer here you know definitely you know NBA all-star in the making so he's a big deal so I just think having his presence gone could be the difference because he was a leader 
you know, he led by example. He did everything, you know, the right way, you know, to say. And, I mean, I don't think that style of play is good, you know, but I think that having Lonzo Ball, you know, on your team was probably the difference between, you know, the championship and not. Yeah, talent can hide a lot of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Talent can definitely hide a lot of stuff, man. You know, if you – how tall is he? Six, six, if you, when you're six six and you you can dribble, you can play, you can hide a lot of things, man. And you know, once again, me and JV know that that there, you as a coach, you know, you can hide stuff. You can hide your weaknesses with different things <laughs> or different people, or you know, you can. Um, and so it's you know, talent can really hide some things for you know for a little while. Eventually, you're gonna get exposed though, and that's the thing. You know, eventually you will that's get the exposed. Means their championship and their. Exactly. Exactly. So, but if we go one step further, obviously he was he can do everything, and we kind of happen to what the media say at the moment. Obviously, with his passing skills, do you think he is one of those players that is once in a generation in terms of he? Well, you couldn't go, maybe go a little bit further than that in terms of. He goes back to what you would say was a historical point guard. He, he thinks to if, if the pass is on, he's going to pass, whereas opposed to what would you call a modern-day point guard is probably a shooting guard now. Right, exactly. You know, we, but we talked about that before with, about Lonzo. Was, you know, they were having like – they were talking like, what if he's a bust or this and that and the other. And, you know, generally when you think of bust, you think of guys who come out and mainly are trying to score the ball. You know, it's it's hard to be considered a bust when your main objective is to get everybody else involved. Right. So you might not have super numbers right now, but that one number that's going to stand out always will be his assist. Like he, especially with this team, they're thrown, they're athletic, so they're going to get out. He's going to throw some lobs. They're going to be have fun playing. So he's the type of player. He's the type of traditional point guard that a lot of guys will want to play with. Like I know personally, I would love to play with him. Because that means I'm going to shoot the ball a lot. That's all he does. Personally, I feel like, but I do feel like he could he could be one of those once in a generational type of players. Because I mean, just his game entirely is unique from his shot, just you know, to his demeanor on the court. And I think he's definitely a breath of fresh air for Los Angeles. He's definitely a, for that franchise in general, which I'm happy to have him because that's my favorite team. But, you know, I, I definitely can see him being one of those players. All right. JB is a fake Lakers fan. I'm a true <laughs> Lakers fan. I can't believe he just lied like Real that. Real Lakers fan. Uh, no, but um, you know what, though? And another thing about I hope Lonzo excels at what he does because once in a, you know, there's all, once in a while you always have a player that comes along and changes how the young kids want to play their game. Steph Curry came along. Steph Curry came along. And, you know, you got a lot of little kids now trying to throw up shots and turn around before it goes in and all of that and not follow through. Um, you have a lot of that going on, which, you know, that's fine. You know, it's not fine. But, you know, hopefully, you know, they get inspired and shoot the right way. But now if Lonzo excels at what he's doing with seeing the floor and being passed first, now you may start having players or little kids who are – now trying to do that they're trying to be the player that gets everybody involved and they're passing and trying to you know and all of that and so hopefully he's that new guy that affects the kids and how they want to start playing the game that's what I'm hoping happens when it comes to Lonzo. Lonzo's special you know it's, it's very rare that you find a guy of 
you know, his, his height, his size with the court vision he has, the mentality he has, you know, the overall will to just make everyone around him better. So you asked if, if Lonzo would be, you know, once in a generation type guy. I think he will be because he brings something to the table that's, that's almost a lost art in the game of basketball. Everybody wants to score now. Everybody wants to score, but Lonzo's that traditional, you know, pass first, you know, Magic Johnson-like point guard. And I don't think we've seen a point guard like Lonzo since Magic. What? So it's, uh, it'll Chris be Paul? interesting. He's not 6'6". Six, six. Oh, yeah. He's not that big. But know? he's a but he's a that's his style of play was to get I'm saying like that size on Steve Nash, get was, his teammates involved. You but he, you said that type of point guard, not size. I meant like I'm yeah, the physical specimen and everything you haven't seen other Come on. I agree with Cal on this one. And you know. LeBron. LeBron's not, a point LeBron's not a point guard. He started off as a point guard, first of all. He you're started at point guard in his no. rookie season for you're, 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 you're no. for air, but. Lonzo Ball is the type of guy who, like we yeah. said, um, is a player you want to play with. You know, because he he's not only trying to get you involved, but you always you feel more confident as a player playing with him. Like I know that if I do the little things to get open, to do this or that, I'm going to be rewarded. You're going you to want to play defense. You go, yeah. You're going to see people trying to get steals. Exactly. Steal. Because we all harder. know that when you yeah. hit a couple shots, for some reason you start feeling it's yeah. more inspired to play defense. <laughs> you, know, you know, you get lower, like, oh, man, let's go. I'm feeling good. But when you're missing some shots or you feel like – or especially when you're open and you don't get it – you don't, they don't pass it to you, you're like, okay. Well, let's see. Let's see what you're going to do without me on defense. <laughs> you know, that's how a lot of people play. And so it's like, man, I think that his effect on the Lakers is also going to be on defense just because of his offensive abilities, which is going to be amazing. I'm excited to see how it's going to be. I'm excited. But you touched upon there, obviously, with in terms of he's – well, JB was saying LeBron's a point guy. It's like, well – I wouldn't go that far because look at his build. Yeah, he started as a point guard. Well, okay, here's the thing. Just because you are bringing the ball down the floor, that does not make you – Oh, no, like his his rookie season, he was the point guard. He guarded the point guard. He was the point guard. But But he's not a point guard. He's not a point guard. He's not a point guard. He's, okay, let me ask you this. Point. Let me ask you this, JB. Let me ask you this, JB. Russell Westbrook oh, no. or Derek we, We've had teams that we've coached that we didn't have a, a certain position, but we had guys play that position, correct? <laughs> exactly. All right, so you can have a guy playing in a position, but that's not their position, right? Look, think about it. I know a lot of teammates who played center, but they were really guards. They were just athletic. So they were out of position. Or their true position were guards, but they were played out of position because of their size or their ability or just because of what the team lacked, right? LeBron had to play at the point guard position because they lacked what they really wanted as a point guard, but he's right? A now, type of player. He, oh, get my teammates involved. Yeah, he's definitely, he he's definitely, he definitely gets his teammates involved, but still doesn't make him a point guard. A point guard. He's a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, power forward, and center. He does it all. Okay. But he plays every position. Jack of all trades, he's master of none. <laughs> Which leads to a bad percentage in the finals. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> but you could say, obviously, with, with, with moving a player around to suit your – it be moral. It's not the, the player you're put into that position – you're kind of implementing a system that is the best suited for your team to succeed. Mm, that's very true. I definitely agree with that. 
you know, because basketball is becoming a positionless sport is what they're saying, For sure. you know, where it's not even about positions anymore. It's more of like, oh, you know, you're here, you're there, you're there, and let's play and let's get this job done, which um, it's, that's where the game is leading towards. You know, the game has been changing for a while now, even with you don't really see Shaquille O'Neal type big men, right? You don't see that no more. And now every big man can shoot a three besides DeAndre Jordan. He can't even make a free throw. Right? <laughs> Yeah, but you know, most of the bigs but, are out there trying to step up. Al Gasol, but even still, DeAndre Jordan's a new, like a new type of big because mm-hmm. he runs the floor and blocks shots and rebounds. Right, like that's that's the new big. Yeah, and then you got guys like DeMarcus Cousins. He went from back to the basket to now he's dribbling the ball. He's shooting three pointers. Yeah, the White Howard said he wanted to shoot three pointers this year. So White Howard needs. Yeah, so like it's getting to a point now where you're losing the idea of the the traditional big. Which is kind of like if you're a true like basketball head, you like. I mean, I kind of miss that. Like, I would love to see a guy like Shaq just come through and dominate the league. But you know what, though, JB, I truly believe there's going to be another Shaq. Oh, there will. And be I think initially. that when they come, we're going to all be so grateful. Oh, we're going and to they're going to dominate. They're going to dominate because they're going to be the only one. Yeah, every knee will bow. Every, yeah. Oh, every you know, you're bow. going to have a bunch of bigs who, like Porzingis, would have no chance against Shaq. No, Shaq would have fifty, fifty, and fifty. <laughs> um, Porzingis, you know, and Porzingis is another type of that new big yeah. that can, you know, dunk, shoot, but, you know, all of that. But one, we're going to have another Shaq. I'm just waiting for it, and I can't wait. I can't wait. What do you think, Kyle, about that part of it? Positional? Yeah, the position-wise and how, you know, it's it's it's, it's running away from positions. Yeah, you know? the, game, the game's changing now, you know. Players seem more valuable, more attractive, the more positions that they can play. Mm. So nowadays, I think the game has really strayed away from positions and, you know, you're more, you're, you're a ball player. A ball player now is a ball player. Mm. So just because you play the point doesn't make you a point guard, JB. (laughs) You know, just because you're getting rebounds or banging doesn't make you a big man. You just got to be a player. So don't listen to what JB said. He's biased. Nowadays, you just got to be a ball player. (laughs) It's good. I like it, Cal. I like it. Wow. But I think as as Kyle say, you've got to be, you can't be one dimensional as in terms of a player because you've got to be able to do everything. And as you say, and we touched upon it probably early doors with players not wanting to play defense, obviously, if you can play every position, you you're gaining an extra skill set. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, in college, on my college team, our shooting guard was was 6'7". You know, one of our big men was 6'7". You know, they're the same height, but I have two totally different games. So, you know, position-wise, since our 6'7 shooting guard been a big man? So that's why I say you can't, you know, be judged off of, you know, positioning. Same with Kevin Durant. I was about to say Kevin Durant. He's 7 foot. He's likely 7 foot. No, he's exactly – he's definitely 7 foot. He's (laughs) 7 foot. And, you know, he's playing like a shooting guard small forward, so – yeah, it's all about, you know, having more weapons. You know, you have to have That's more than one is. weapon now. You know, you just can't have one weapon. You can't pull out a knife. Now everybody else got two different guns. He's got three different kind of knives. And you're like, oh, I'm outmatched. <laughs> I'm outmatched. You know, and so you definitely got to have multiple weapons to go to because – you know, that's just where basketball is headed right now. That's what the NBA is. Yeah. You know, you got the Warriors there. Oh, my God. Look at the Warriors. <laughs> the Warriors are a bomb, and everybody else has knives and guns. <laughs> yeah, you know, everybody's that's fighting. Like, the oh, Warriors just throwing in grenades. Yeah, like, all right. Oh, that's cute. All right, now watch this. <laughs> right. And then they just blow everything up. And, like, it's, like, it's crazy because you got Draymond Green. At times, he's playing center. 
Yeah. He's guarding the, the biggest man on the court, and he's six seven. Yeah. And you know the positionless basketball, it's it's kind of fun to watch because there's a point where you might see five guards out there, and like that's something you used to do on the game uh, back in the day when you playing. 2K. Yeah, yeah, like on two K or NBA Live, where you see five guards on the court at the same time. But now that's an actual reality for the NBA, and it's pretty much playing keep up. Yeah. And you know it's it's the same with AAU. You know, I always seen AAU and the yeah. NBA as similar, and then college basketball and school ball, like high school ball, as more similar. Like those two in a bunch, because it's like the same in AAU. You can you can you, you can have five guards out there. We used to do that even when we were younger and playing. You might have five guards out there, and you just running the floor because the other team got these big guys. Which okay, they might be able to take care of, take advantage in the post. But once we get this rebound. We pushing the well, break, and y'all have no it's chance. Like, it's like, once we score, we're going to press. So exactly. Try to get it up the court. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's, that's definitely one thing. But I can see the Pelicans being a team where they have a guy like DeMarcus Cousins who they can throw the ball into. And with Anthony Davis being so versatile, he could step out and play the two – I mean, play the three or the four. So he's not really a big, big man. But DeMarcus Cousins, you can use him to really – abuse the smaller guys in the post, and I think the Pelicans could be one of those teams to watch for. It's mm. interesting. And he got, into, he got into a pretty good shape this year. He lost really? a lot of weight. So, I you know, you could definitely see him trying to make the effort to get up and down the court, but also still be strong enough to bully those guys in the post. But if we kind of hopping this back to probably the young kids, and obviously some coaches are very much – uh, if we kind of, you know, like the freaking natures and, you know, the big, the, big, the, the kids that grow quickly, because uh, you're tall, oh, we'll put you as center. Do, they, do you kind of see that they kind of miss out on uh, developing their skills? Because if they don't grow when everybody catches up, they become redundant because they can only, they've only played that one position, but then they're still as tall as everybody else. Yeah, you know what? I wish our camera guy was here, <laughs> Stephen, because uh, he he was like that. He was played at the center position because he was super athletic, right? But then he never grew. <laughs> he literally never grew, and he suffered from that. He suffered from that. We have players, you know. Yeah, JB. Let's look at JB. JB was a big man, and I'm taller than him now. I was the guard. He was the big when we were kids. He's been the same height. He was supposed to be like six, six eight. Nine. The doctors <laughs> lied, and uh, he, he never lied, grew. Man. And uh, you know, and it's it's a huge effect. You know, there there's a specific kid on my basketball team who played um, the four, right? He played the four, but it's more like a big man, four in the five, and that's because he was stronger, but he was short, right? He's not that tall, and so after the season was over, um, I'm like, man, you did good this year, but for the long run we have to develop your guard skills because that's what you're going to play. Because, you know, shame on me as a coach. If I say, yay, I used you for my advantage. We won some games. But in the long run, you're going to suffer and not be that good because you weren't in the right position. And, I, and coaching is all about putting your players in the right position, right? You, our job is to put them in that position, and then, then it's their job to excel and take advantage of. But we have to get them there. Right, we have to lead and guide them in the right direction. But if we're selfish and saying you're a big man, that's it for my benefit, for the benefit of the team, they're going to eventually suffer. And I've seen it so much, I've seen it so much that it, it suffered. What about? Have you seen that cow? Maybe uh, at a. I think at that point, that's when you know work ethic and grind comes into it. I mean, even personally, 
in high school, my senior year in high school, I played power forward at six two, and then two months later, you know, I'm off playing college and I'm a shooting guard. So, but I mean, growing up, I always knew at the next level I'd be a guard. I had to do what I had to do at high school because there wasn't a lot of you know. I was a big kid, strong kid, and there wasn't a lot of kids like that. But, you know, that's when you have to – if you're really serious about the game, you have to, you know, think about that. And that's when the – there is no offseason anymore in sports. I don't care what you say. There is no offseason. You know, dreams don't don't rest, don't take breaks. So why should you? So I think that's when, you know, your ball handling skills work, you know, come in handy, your shooting skills. Because that's all stuff I had to do, you know, in my own time outside of high school practice. Because in high school practice, I'm doing post drills and – you know, posting up every day, but I know, okay, in a few gun, in a few months, I transition myself and in, in be a collegiate guard. So I think that if you're placed in that situation, don't limit yourself. That's when you just have to put in the work on your own. You know, you can't have, if you want something bad enough, you shouldn't have somebody riding your tail or, you know, have to be in your face to do it, you know, put in the work on your own. So it shouldn't necessarily be a hindrance. You know, if you're a ball player, you will adapt to any situation. Mm-hmm. That's true. Man. Good, gosh dang it, Kyle, man, that, that's so true because, you know, and this, this is something we've talked about in one of our episodes is that as basketball players, when the school season is over, you now when the summer comes up, that's your moment. Like if you, if you can't dribble with your left hand, after these three months in the summer and you still can't dribble with your left hand, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Like you don't want it. You don't want it as bad as you say you do, right? The, the, that summertime where you're not in school and you have free time, it's not just time to relax. You know, yeah, maybe as a yeah, maybe as a student, you know, but as an athlete, this is twenty four seven, three sixty five, right? This is this is every this is every single season of the of the year. You know, you don't you don't have time to take a break because some your competition they're not taking a break, right? And your competition is not just the people on your team for playing time. Your competition is not even your rival school that you're going against. Your competition may be in California, the whole world, the whole world at this point. Right. You, know, you yeah. have camps in Nigeria. You exactly. Have, you have players coming all over from all over to play in the NBA. So if that's your dream, the dream is to get to the NBA, you're competing with almost 7 billion people. Exactly. You're competing with the whole world now. So, yeah. you know, you have to step your game up each and every chance you get. You have to work on it. All right. So overall, I think it's, you know, the coaches are, they have to be responsible in letting their guys know, like, look, uh, you were this position, but you need to work so that next year you're not the same position. You know, as a coach, when you give roles for a team, you know, you 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 got to make sure your players know, like, this is your role, but your role can change. And if it doesn't change, it's because you didn't put in the work. Your role doesn't have to stay the same. Accept it for what it is now, but then grind to make it different if you want it to be different. You want to be a guard? Grind to be a guard. Here's what you need to do. Here's the drills you need to do. Here's the blueprint. But it's up to you to do it. I'll see you in three months. Let's see what you did with it. All right? So, yeah. And the last segment we'll bring up is LaVar Ball. What is your guy's take on what he brings to basketball at the moment? Man, LaVar <laughs> Ball has LaVar. changed the game. Um, but LaVar Ball, LaVar Ball is really – I feel like I know LaVar. Yeah. Because, you know, I played AAU when I was a kid, and I've coached AAU. And I'm like, man, this is just another AAU dad. Right, this is another dad. You know, I've had I've had dads come to the bench trying to coach. I've had dads, you know, and so in AAU, I'm serious. In AAU, you become used to stuff like that, and you see parents not only rooting for their kid, but rooting against another kid. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. But you know, parents get excited and they they get really into it, which you know is pretty interesting. It's funny, 
But LeVar Ball, I'm just like, man, I feel like I've seen him somewhere. Sports yeah, Plus in Cincinnati, you know, Ohio. You know, I, I, man, Glor- LeVar Ball, man, he's made being an AU dad popular. Yeah. Know? I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what it is because, you know, we've had teammates and, you know, you've seen other teams whose dad is the loudest person in the gym. You know, louder than even the coaches. He's screaming to his son to get back on defense or do this or do that. So, I mean, I don't really see nothing wrong with it. You know, he makes outlandish comments sometimes. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's for attention and publicity because he's building a brand. And when you're building a brand, sometimes you got to go outside of yourself and go outside the norm and make it happen because now you think about it, somebody was buying those $400 shoes. People buying those T-shirts. They want us to wear stay-in-your-lane T-shirts or big baller brand T-shirts and stuff like that. So it's working. And he's doing it to the point to where – he got invited to do, do the four-point shot with the, the big three. So, I mean, for him, it's all a marketing plan. and He's a genius at what he's been doing right now. Right. And he's really creating generational wealth for his children. And you at know, the end of the day, that's really what matters most to him. And, I mean, I commend him for it. And, you know, and that's another thing, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, he's an entrepreneur. And he, he talks about how the most important thing now is attention, right? You, if you're going to market something, first you got to have my attention. Before you try to get me to buy something, you got to have my attention. And LeVar Ball knows how to get your attention, right? He's an entertainer. Um, I think it's funny. You know, some people get angry and frustrated. I'm like, man, it's not that serious. <laughs> like, calm down. The guy is obviously joking. The guy knows, oh, I'm better than Jordan. You know he wasn't better than Jordan, right? I, he knows that. I know deep down LeVar knows he could not be Jordan if, with them both in their prime. I know that. But, you know, some people get frustrated, but he's just getting your attention, and it's working, right? It's working. He has everybody's attention right now, and it's genius. You know, it's genius. I know, Cal, you you were going more in depth about the marketing genius that he is. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a saying that all publicity is good publicity. And LeVar Ball is the poster child for that. You know, he gets your attention. You know, his, his aunt, you may not agree with his antics, but they're from a, from a marketing standpoint and as a father figure, especially being an African-American father, you know, there's, there's tons of young, you know, African-American young men who, who grow up without a strong, you know, male figure in their life at all. So how dare you come at a person or, you know, be mad at somebody who is, you know, a, a, one of the strongest father figures, you know, that I've seen, you know, who he believes in his kids. He pushes his kids. You know, I was watching something, you know, he gets up and has been cooking them breakfast for years. So how can you truly be mad as at a strong father figure who believes in his kids? And as far as the, the marketing stuff goes, I mean, he's a genius. He says outlandish things to grab your attention. Anytime the, the camera's on, the spotlight's on, you know, he makes the most of it. So for a market, as far as marketing goes, He's the man, and I'm taking notes. <laughs> so you may not agree with how he comes off or the way, you know, or his tactics, but you can't do anything but to respect the man as a father and as a businessman. You got to. Mm. I agree. I agree. But in terms of – I don't know if you just like, – what was the last one? In terms of the, the, the AAU game he was coaching, that he got the ref kicked out. What is your take on that as coaches? Um. As, as a coach, man, I I I, uh, I completely because I've seen him. Then he like quit. Yeah, he, he took his team, his off, team the off the court, and I completely one hundred percent disagree with that. Uh, Carter. 
yeah, because I've been a part of it. <laughs> oh, have you? Yeah, I have been a part of that. Like when the coach you get, the coach is like, you know what? We done. Let's yeah. go. Like, as, get y'all stuff. Oh, you know what? <laughs> okay, I, I, I've been a part of a situation where the coach was like, we're not shaking their hands yeah, after the I've game. Literally, we got taken off the court for like, the game. Yeah, Before like, see, my, for me, the game had just ended, and the, my coach was like, "No, we're not shaking their hands," and he made sure we didn't shake their hands. And you know, that's terrible leadership. Period. Period. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's terrible leadership because one, especially in the middle of the game, you don't quit in adversity. You know, where the team that I coach, you know, the school team, there's a lot of times where we felt like. We weren't getting the right calls or like the referees are just not on our side, maybe even on the other side. Right. But that's the, that's the moment right there. That's the teaching moment. But if you're a coach and you're not in it to help your kids grow as people, you're not thinking like that. You're thinking like, Oh, this is not fair and all of this. And you become, it becomes more about you and your emotions and how you feel instead of saying, you know what, this is a teaching moment for the kids fight through adversity. Even when it seems like everybody's against you, Fight through it. Keep going. Keep pushing. Right? And that's the thing. And I even heard that the game that he took them off, at least one of them, they were winning. Right? And I'm like, you, what, is, what is all of this about? And it, But if your ego gets in the way, that's what happens. And, you know, as a leader and as a coach, you, can ne- you, can, you always have to think of yourself last. Your emotions have to be last. And you've always got to be thinking about how, is this, how can this affect the kids in the long run? How can this help them grow? Not, you know, how do I feel about it, you know? Definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. I, I think it, it, it leaves a bad mark on the kids because it's like, you know, especially kids wanting to play basketball. Like, if you're on the team and, you know, it's game day, you pumped up, you're ready to play, and then they get taken off the court and you just like, I'm still trying to hoop. Like, forget what he's saying. Like, we still going to play. But you, at the end of the day, you have to follow what he said because it's his team and, you know, it, it kind of sucks because then you miss out on games. And I think the last time they did it, it was, like, one of the last games of the season. So it was just, like, our season pretty much over, and this is how it ends, from walking off the court. Right. And, you know, and that's another thing with uh, – I think a lot of coaches have that mindset, this is my team. Um, but, you know, I, I always feel like – I always would hope that my players know that this is our team. Right, this is our team. At the end of the day, man, this is your guys' career. This is your guys's. You guys are the ones that's playing. I'm here to help lead and guide you. But I honestly would hope if I if I went crazy and I'm like, we off this court, I would hope my players would be like, uh, you can leave. We're <laughs> going to stay. And I hope that they would do that because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a collective thing. And a lot of coaches do have that dictator mind, mindset of, oh, this is my team. When really, man, it's about the kids. It's about the kids. If anything, it's more of their team. Then, you know, we are we have a responsibility, you know, even for the parents' sake. You know, they don't want to see their kids walking off the court. You know, they know that's not the right thing. So as a coach, you have that responsibility of doing what's right by the kids. But also, what do the parents want for their kids as well when it comes to the morals and values and stuff like that? Not strategy-wise, you know, and the plays and all of that, but when it comes to stuff like that, you got to take in consideration of the kids, the parents, the families that's in the stands, the cheerleaders who practice their cheers, you know, and now they got to look like, dang, we didn't even get to do cheer number four that we practiced on yesterday. You know, all of these, the referees, you know, all of these different people that are into this game. It's, it's not just about you. It's not just about you. And that's, that's, that's something that, you know, a lot of coaches, they just have to get. They have to get. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I think that that was a totally bad move on his part as far as, you know, taking kids off because 
that also teaches, you know, the kids it's okay to quit. And that's never okay. You can't quit in life, you know, going to be, you know, faced with adversity or feel like you're in place in situations that aren't fair or in your favor, you know, all the time. That's life. So, you know, being, a, you know, an authoritative figure, being a coach, being a role model, that's just not the example you want to set for your kids. So totally disagree with his actions there. And I agree with a lot of other things that he does, but can't respect that. Can't respect mm-hmm. that. That's not that's not good for the kids. That's not good for for the game either. You know, that's not good for anything. Mm-hmm. I agree. And last question before we wrap up the episode. If you guys had to summarize this episode into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Mm. That's tough. <laughs> Dang. That's tough. I like that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Think. Summarize this one, this whole episode. This would be hard for Stu. He's a man of many words. (laughs) (laughs) As you can see, Stu's been on the camera a lot. He's a man of many words. So let's see if he he might want to go last. I'm the I'm the one who's good with short words. But I'm still stuck. This is a great this is a great great one. Summarize it all in one sentence. Wow. Um, We did talk about a lot. When it well, when it comes to um, I'll, I'll just I'll give it for one for the coaching standpoint of all of this um, to all the coaches out there because um, we talked about the AAU circuit and how it can turn into a business how coaches can get their egos going and all about that uh, just just one sentence here for every coach I guess is it's not about you it's not about you um, and so that's what I would go with with you know the coaches and all of that it's not about you. I'm I'm still thinking, JB. Go ahead. I'm still, I'm still. <laughs> well, definitely. Uh, I I can say one sentence to summarize this entire long interview would be, um, wow, <laughs> wow. It was it was a fun interview for, oh, sure. for sure. But I'd definitely say it's uh, you know, it, it's bigger than money. You know, it's when when it comes to AU and basketball in general, it's bigger than money. It's about, you know, helping these young men transition into adulthood. So, you know, be mindful of the decisions and the decisions you make and the, the words that you say, especially around them. I would like to change my sentence. I got a better one. <laughs> I got a better one. Because not only because now it not only because it, it's almost similar to what I said for the coaches, but now it also relates for the players as well. It's more than a game. <laughs> That's what I would say. It's more than a game. It's but still, it's not a trademark, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. Uh, I've yeah. never heard that. I've never it heard anybody say that. LeBron's movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. more than a game. Definitely a well, LeBron already figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> he figured it out that that's the way to go. It's more of the game. Man. It's more of the game. It's not but, about But you. while Cal's thinking still, I do have go a ahead. question. I'm good I have a question it. for you. Okay. So, because, you know, for us – when we watch the Olympics, the Olympics is something like it's it's really big, especially like you I mean for any country, honestly, probably that you know watching people represent your country is like it's really big, and you know especially when they win, you you excited like USA or whatever across the the front of their chest. But how was it for you performing in the Olympics? Oof, you, you turn the tables on me. <laughs> um it's quite difficult to put into words in terms of representing your country but but do you mean as in between overall or between one game to the next 
like just the overall experience like just everything that came with it like i think i think because i had to do an interview well a written one this week and they asked some a similar question i think i put it along the lines of you you're representing not just your country but your where you come from your family and you want to kind of do your utmost to do the best for them as long as well as yourself so it's a lot of pressure huh no, you try. You try not to think about that. That's probably, that's probably me as a retired athlete thinking like that. I, I probably may think uh, maybe of my teammates in in that particular sport, being in London 2012. But no, if I happen back and, and talk about Beijing and that final, that was the most relaxed I have ever been in my entire career. That's crazy because I think about it like just before a game in general, like I'm nervous before a game. Like even to this day, like in red games, I'd be like low nervous, like, all right, I'm ready to do it. So like to be in the Olympics, like this is the biggest stage. I would be like super crazy nervous. Like I'd be out of my mind. I wouldn't be able to sleep. I wouldn't be able to eat. I wouldn't be able to do nothing. I'm like, I'm ready. Like, <laughs> this is it. Yeah. yeah. That's, amazing. That's amazing. Oh, Cal. I think I'm ready. Yeah, are you ready? Okay. I think I'm ready now. Okay, so we One covered it. I got that. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't words. I don't need a whole bunch of words. You know, we talked about, you know, the AAU and the coaching and, you know, positional, you know, for different players. So what I take away from all of that is, you know, control your own destiny. Hmm. Your own person. At the end of the day, you're your own person. You're an individual. And, you know, you have to not let one other person dictate your life or your destiny. Because at the end of the day, you truly are all you have. So control your own destiny. Because I think that can relate back to every single topic that we covered during this interview. So, yeah. See, that's what happens when you, you yeah. got all the time. <laughs> he had more time. <laughs> that's what happens, you know. And I thought that was pretty good. So It's more than a game at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, man. But that's why he's the motivational speaker. Yeah, he, he does the right words to say. That's amazing. Control your own destiny. That is definitely a great summary of what we talked about today. But then Sue, going first, it's you put the pre- you can put the pressure on as well. Yeah, you know, that's, you know. yeah, that's right. what he's a tough act to follow. He's a man, like I said, he's a, he's a man of many <laughs> words. So Sue's gonna say a lot. So you know, speaking after Sue, sometime yeah, I just he might say your words you for know, you. He might say your words for you. So I, I always go last, even in our podcast. You know, as a speaker, crazy, right? I go last, and uh, Stu does most of the talking. But you know, I have a thing when Kyle speaks, you should listen. So I don't need to say much when I do say something that people need to hear. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. So once again, guys, thanks for coming on the Mindset Game podcast. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for having us on. Thank you for having us, man. It. it was This was fun. Oh, yeah. It was a lot sure. of fun. It's a lot of fun. My pleasure. And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it would be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.